will allow me to extend my welcome to you all as well, wherever you're gathering, because we have a number of people who are not part of SDBC who are now actually uh, watching these videos. So welcome to one and all. What an incredible blessing for us to be doing this, even though we can't physically be in contact with each other. We're living in some very trying and difficult times. And the message today, I believe, speaks right into this situation at this moment. There are people watching this service who have lost their jobs, their businesses, who are concerned for their own health, who are worried about their families and their kids. We have a lot of students, secondary, tertiary, who have no idea how they're going to complete their studies this year and do their exams. All their expectations for the end of the year are now gone. In the midst of these situations, there are people who are questioning where God is in the midst of all this and why hasn't he done more? Even before this virus came upon us, there were some of you who were struggling with relationship issues. There are people in our congregation who are suffering rejection from those who should be showing them love unconditionally. And in this present situation, the extra pressure has done nothing to improve those situations. Many of us see a world that has gone mad. I mean, seriously, what is it with the toilet paper thing? I do not get it. But the reality is for many of us, we have not been able to even get the basics that we require to survive, as in pasta, rice, flour, just simple things that we used to rely on. And all of these things, and many other things that I haven't mentioned, even things before this event, are weighing in upon us. The pressures of this world are so heavy upon us right now, and in such a way that sometimes we forget that God is sovereign. But we need to remember, he reigns over all. He has not lost control. And he tells us, do not be anxious. And let's face it, that would be awesome if it was as easy as saying, thank God, no worries, I've got this. But we need some help, hey? Because it really doesn't seem to be that easy. So let's pray and ask God to speak to us through his word this, today. Father, thank you so much that we have this ability to commune with each other over the internet, Lord, and to hear your word. And Lord, that's our prayer this morning. We want to hear from you. So I pray you'll anoint the words that are spoken, that, Father, these words will challenge people as they've challenged me. And that, Father, our lives will be changed as a result and we will be drawn closer to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There is much that could be said about the first three verses of the passage that we're looking at today. And I think that subject is separated a little bit from the message I believe that God has called me to present to you. So in the midst of where we are, as I've mentioned, God says here in Philippians, don't be anxious. Verse 6 says quite clearly, do not be anxious about anything. And this is something that is repeated throughout Scripture. And I'm sure that in a basic way, we all agree. We don't necessarily live like this, but we would really like to. But if we're told not to be anxious, then we should ask why. Why shouldn't we be anxious? Look at the end of verse 5 with me. The Lord is at hand. This was a bit of a revelation for me as I sat and thought about what this meant. We speak about the all-knowing, the all-powerful God, and in a way, I think that caused me to have a bit of a mind trap about what God is like and how he interacts with us. And I'd like to say 
God knows the present. He knows the past. He knows the future. And in a way, that's limiting in my mind the power of God and his interaction with us. The Lord is at hand. If we can get our heads around who God is and how he lives outside of time, it'll change the way we think about things. You've all heard the saying, I don't know who holds my future, but I know who, sorry, I don't know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. But God is more than that. You see, because he lives outside of time, he's present in the here and now, and he is present in the future. Where I am going, he has already been. And of course, he knows the future because he is there. It's not a place in time, and there is no place in time where God has not been. Right in the midst of this COVID-19 event, God is here. When we receive bad news from the doctor, God is there. When you get laid off from work or you get the bills that you don't know how you're going to pay, God is there. And even when you're facing exams, God is there. He is ever-present. And because He is, He encourages us to call on Him for help. When we consider verses 4 and 5, we're told God is present with us. And because He is, we should not be anxious about anything. But when those feelings are bound to come, we are told in verses 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We are called to the discipline of prayer. When you begin to get anxious, pray. But Paul wants us to be specific about the types of prayer we offer. He is calling us in these times to pray with prayer and supplication. So what is supplication? It's a cry for help to God. And this is emphasized in Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. This passage invites us to bring our problems to God. He wants to hear from us. And he wants to give us the grace and mercy that we need in the midst of whatever we are facing. I can personally testify to God answering prayers when I spoke with him, when my anxiety levels were incredibly high. I remembered a particular spiritual attack where I feared for my very life and I prayed the most powerful prayer I have ever prayed in my life. They were three simple words. God help me. They were heartfelt. They were meaningful. And God answered powerfully and miraculously. But when we pray, we have to be careful that our heart is right with God. When we come to God, we pray with thanksgiving. And I think we often mix up what this means. Let's look again at Philippians 4. We are to pray with thanksgiving. So often we seem to interpret thanksgiving as that response we have towards God when he answers my prayers the way I want him to. But this is not what this verse is saying. When we pray, we are to pray with thanksgiving. This thanksgiving comes before we have received an answer from God. It is an attitude of thankfulness and appreciation of who God is. Here is the almighty, all-powerful, omnipresent God. He is clothed in unapproachable light. He is surrounded by 10,000 times 10,000 angels. He is so totally glorified, and yet he takes time to hear our prayers. He is so far beyond our comprehension, yet he wants to hear from us. He hears our prayers and he answers those prayers, not with what we deserve, not with what we want, but with what is best for us in that time 
according to his will and purpose. And I've been blessed to have some incredibly faithful people as part of my life. And I've seen them live this out. They have faced some terrible circumstances. And yet they have this incredible, humble, thankful attitude towards God. They appreciate him for who he is and all he has done in the midst of incredible suffering. And it defies logic. But I've seen it. And when we run to God, when we are anxious and pray to him, asking for his help and being generally thankful that he hears us, then we'll experience his peace. And this isn't something I'm making up. It isn't a Christian cliche that we throw out there to make you feel better and feel that we've done something. It's not something to use for people who are suffering as a band-aid. But it's something I've seen more than once. I had a family I got very close to in Rockhampton. The mother had been diagnosed with breast cancer and we prayed for her. They fought and they won and she was cured at that time. And we all thanked God for his healing and his deliverance of her. But then it came back. And this time, there was no fighting it. I struggled with why this would happen to such an incredibly godly woman who loved her Lord, her husband, her kids and so many others. And she suffered. In the midst of this though, her faith grew each and every day. And although she was suffering, it was this, all that pain, the constant feeling of nausea, the degeneration of her mind and body was forgotten in the midst of the growing faith and love that she had for God. She was so calm, so at peace. It was a peace that defied logic. There was no anger, no fear. She constantly spoke of God's presence and love for her and the incredible peace that he provided in the midst of this situation. And because she constantly ran to God every moment of every day, he heard her prayers and he answered them. He gave her greater faith. He gave her greater confidence in him. He gave her this incredible feeling of love, joy and peace in the midst of what she was going through. And I've got to tell you, it was not normal. It's not the way the world expects you to react. I remember the last time I sat with her. I knew she would soon go and be with the Lord. Surprisingly, I was crying. She could no longer speak. But she smiled and patted my hand. She was more worried about me than what she was facing. She died well, totally filled with the peace of God. My friends... That's a peace that surpasses all understanding, just like what is said in verse 7. When we constantly run to God for help, when he becomes our first port of call, he will guard our hearts and our minds. But we have to have this mind shift. We have to ensure that we're focusing on the things that really matter, the things of God. It's not just about the peace of God being with us, but it's more about the God of peace being with us. We need to live for him. And so we need to retrain our mind. When we commit our lives to Jesus, confessing our sins and declaring him as our Lord and Savior, we are to put to death our old selves. Paul is emphasizing this point as he moves to the practical outworking of our faith in this passage. 
Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We are to dwell or think on these things. What does it mean to think on truth? There are people, and I'm sure you've experienced this, they tell a part or half truth and they retell these things so many times or they retell a lie so many times that they actually come to believe that that is true. And there are people who also stumble in their faith and they tell a lie and then to save faith, they continue in that lie to protect themselves and their reputation. And then there's other lies too that are whispered into our minds. Think about our present situation. Some of you are facing incredible hardship. We're not going to make light of that. And you have prayed and you're not sure whether God has heard you. And then that voice starts. God doesn't really love you. In fact, God doesn't even care. Does he even exist? Is he present? And when we're weak... It's so much easier to buy into these lies. But we're told to think about what is true. And so we need to reject all of those things. To do this, we have to know God's word. We have to dwell in it. We have to memorize scripture to help us in the midst of our struggles. Learn about the character of God, who he is, the promises he has made, and claim those promises. The incredible gift of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and all that that means for us. This is a God who will never leave us Never forsake us. And we need to claim that promise. And the other promises that are contained within Scripture. And when we do, when we dwell in His Word and when we claim these promises, we will be able to discern much better what is not true. And we will be able to reject it. Don't dwell on things that are not of God. Dwell on the truth. Whatever is honourable... Things that are honest, fair, worthy of praise. I want you to think about what you dwell on. What is constantly in your mind at this time? What images come to mind that are not worthy of praise? What opinions of someone have you heard that are less than honest or fair towards that person? These are the things that we need to reject. We need not to dwell upon them. We need to dwell upon the things of God. We are not to dwell on dishonorable things, but on honorable. And again, we should reject those things which we think belittle someone or tarnish their image. If what we think does not bring honor to God, we need to reject it. We are thinking like our old self, that self that we should have put to death. Whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, think about that word. We are called to not just dwell on the average. We are called to dwell on anything that is excellent. These excellent things are the things of God. His word is excellent. His love for us is excellent. His grace, his forgiveness, his glory, his plan and purposes are excellent. These are the things we dwell on. The transformational power of his word, seeing people come to faith, those things are excellent. We need to dwell upon those things. The fact that we can continue to have church in this situation is excellent. Let's dwell upon those things. I've said it before. 
I will never tire of this. But seeing those light bulb moments when someone gets something that you've said about God's word, that is excellent. And these are the things we dwell on. These are the things we should value. But for all of this to happen, we have to obey the last bit of this passage that we've looked at today. Philippians 4.9 says, What you have learned and heard and received from me and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is something that Paul has said a couple of times before, so it must be important. What we know of Paul's life is that we need to practice these things. We need to practice what Paul has said in Scripture. We need to practice what God has said. And what we're speaking about today is not natural. It's not something we'd do normally of our own free will. They're things that we do as we're prompted in obedience to Holy Spirit. We need to choose to do these things. We are called to practice these things. I was always concerned when a doctor or a dentist graduated and they went out into the world and they practiced what they learnt. And hopefully they got better and better. It's no different for us. We are called to practice these things. We have to be determined. We have to choose to do these things. We have to set aside time and we have to get better and better at it. And that's what we want to do. We want to encourage you to be more than what you were yesterday. We want to encourage you to be closer to God. We want to encourage you to be reading the word and praying even in these difficult times. The choice is we can live as we once did, as the world does, or we can live this unnatural life which we're called to, our higher calling in Christ. We can put to death our old self each and every day, the desires, passions, wants and thoughts of that person and we can live for Jesus and think upon those things that are excellent. From a world standard, it's not natural to let anxiety go. It isn't natural to want to read scripture. It isn't natural to want to pray. It is something we have to constantly work on. In closing, I want to ask you, have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour? That's the first step. There are people who are available even today as you look at this to pray with you. There's a prayer tab at the top right-hand corner. Please hit that tab. We'll pray with you now or we'll phone you, whatever you want us to do. We want to encourage you in the faith. Perhaps at this time you realize you need to get closer to Jesus. You realize that your faith hasn't been one that has been active and you haven't committed yourself to him each and every day. We'd love to pray with you as well. Please contact us. Perhaps you're one of these people who have made that commitment to Jesus, but you haven't made that commitment to retrain your mind and you're dwelling on things which are not honorable to God and you know now through what you have heard that you need to do that again. Will you confess your sins to Jesus? Will you contact us and allow you to pray? Allow us to pray with you? We'd love to do that with you. We'd love to celebrate this transformation for you and give you some stuff that you can use in order to draw closer to God, to encourage you in the coming days and weeks to read his word diligently. I've said this to the young people. I think I've said it in the other services as well. If you have constant thoughts that hammer you, that are not honourable to God, I challenge you. I reject that thought in Jesus' name. It's a phrase that I use constantly. I used to use it moment by moment. Now it's just every now and then. I get this thought every now and then. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? I reject that thought. Jesus doesn't think that way. Neither do I. We need to retrain our minds. 
Take every thought captive. Make them honourable thoughts. Do you pray with thanksgiving? Do you pray believing God hears you and then you thank him because he has heard your prayers and he will answer them, but he'll answer them the way he wants, not the way you think you need. And his answers will always be right. If you haven't done that, do you need to come to him and ask for his forgiveness? Thank him for his presence and his power and his love for each and every one of us. Are you anxious even now? Do you need to come to him and ask for help? Are you willing to do that? Do you need to ask one of us to pray with you? Again, if you are genuinely seeking God and his presence and his power in your life, and if you're anxious, if you're unsure of the future, let's pray with you. He will meet you. He will give you that peace. We've had people contact us already who are in terrible situations, who have said they know the presence and power of God right in the midst of this situation, even though their future is uncertain. We would love to help you. He is present here. He'll be present tomorrow. He'll be present into your future. He loves you and he wants to hear from you. Let's look at encouraging each other. There's a number of social media platforms we can use. Let's send emails, let's send texts, let's make phone calls, let's be encouraging each other on Facebook. Let's talk about those things which are honourable. Let's talk about how God has challenged us. Let's build each other up in the faith, even at this time. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for who you are. And I thank you that you do live outside of time. And because you do, Lord, you are everywhere. You're right here, present with us now. You'll be present into the future with us, Lord. You've already been there, so we've got nothing to worry about. You know what's coming. And Lord, we want to take this opportunity to resubmit to you, to ask you afresh to be our Lord and Saviour and follow you, Lord, wherever you lead. Father, we don't know how far and how long this situation is going to carry on. But Lord, we trust you. We love you. And Lord, we know that you have plans and purposes that we do not understand, even in the midst of this. I pray you will help us to lift our eyes to you, to be found reading your word and praying, to be encouraging each other in the faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless one and all. Thank you.